Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, around the world and around the internet. I am your host, Ben Frawley. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Entertainment from the On Stage blog. I am here joined by Lynette Williams and Robert Larson. How are you guys doing? Lynette, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Awesome. Bobby, how, how about you? you? How about you? How about you, Bobby? I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I'm always doing great. Woo! All right. Well, it's a Tuesday night. It's snowing out, and that means we're in basements everywhere and uh, podcasting. Uh, so, uh, if this is your first time tuning into Desperately Seeking Entertainment, uh, me and my two hosts are going to bring up three topics each. Stories, news stories, or topics about the entertainment industry. It could be something about music, movies, theater, anything, sports. Uh, and we're going to discuss them live on air. But here's the kicker. Uh, the other two people on the air with me right now have no idea what I'm going to bring up. So it's a little entertainment PTI. That's the way I like to describe it. And then afterwards, we're going to go YouTube and we're going to go down the rapids of an amazing thing on the internet called YouTube. So Lynette, yes. ladies go first. Why don't you oh. go ahead and kick us off? Thank you for calling me a lady. Not many men do. Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to go. The first thing I'm going to do is... Went to the movies this weekend. Got to see a pretty awesome movie. I'm super excited. It's not usual that I find a movie that can actually stump me and I can't guess the ending. Uh, so when I saw Knives Out, I was pretty pretty excited that I was just like, oh, what? Oh, I didn't see that coming. And I appreciated that. Um, it was nice to see like kind of like a new old school mystery. I don't know. Are you guys into like, Old black and white mysteries like the the private eye keeper things or anything like that or oh yeah what about you I guys? like I like uh, Philip Marlowe and all those things yeah I like the old time radio of that stuff too yeah yeah I like so uh, the a, a black and white one that I watched probably my favorite one uh, Dial M for Murder yes that was a Good fantastic one. one um so Knives Out is like I wouldn't say it's that old school. Um, but it's def- have, did you guys see it yet? I did. I saw it opening weekend. Ah, oh, all right. Did ben we already talk like, about it? Uh, no, no, okay. I don't think so. Because Ben, he's boycotting the director, so he's not going to watch it till <laughs> oh, God. it comes out on videotape. Yeah, just dash dare my dash my childhood dreams against the rocks with Last Jedi. So, <laughs> wow, that's yeah. why you're boycotting this director. I know, right? Yeah. Probably boycotting this weekend, Rise of Skywalker, too, because of him. So, But, uh, Lynette, well, how was the movie? We, we haven't discussed this movie, actually. Okay. So, the movie was excellent. Um, it was quite entertaining. And me being, uh, as you guys know, I'm a very uh, interactive person, especially when I go to the movies. Uh, my friends, <laughs> yeah, as they, they said, what? <laughs> said, yeah, you are interactive. Yeah. Especially during yeah. horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> um. It doesn't matter the movie really. I was all in it. I there were parts where I was the only person laughing, but it was funny and they just obviously didn't get the reference or the joke. Um, but most of my friends that were with me really enjoyed it as well. It was um um it was really exceptional. 
exceptionally fun. And I, I really do enjoy it when I can't guess the ending. I feel like lately a lot of movies have come out. They've been sticking to status quo, things that work. And it's like, oh, yeah, this dude's going to do this and that's going to happen. And then that's how it's going to end. And I'm like, okay. Um, but this awesome. one, it seems like a really cool movie to bring uh, a lot of friends to. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing is like, I don't understand rise. Blah. Last Jedi is something completely different. Why just let it go and see something new and different by this dude. Well, you know, that's why I didn't like last Jedi because it subverted expectations so much. And it was so many gotcha, you know, like M night Shyamalan, Shyamalan, a ding dong moments in the movie. <laughs> Well, he's made some stinkers, but I'll still go see whatever he comes out with. Oh, like the happening? Oh, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, so just I don't like his style. But, you know, this movie seems cool, so maybe I'll check it out. It would change your mind. It would. It would. Yeah. About it Last would. Jedi? No. No. Unfortunately. I have a feeling we'll never change your mind about that. Once Once you've made that decision, you're, you're pretty stuck at it. I mean, you're, you oh, love... Oh, the decision to like good film? Oh... <laughs> uh... It's gonna be on Ben's gravestone. <laughs> R.I.P. Here lies father, son. Also, didn't like Last Jedi. Yeah. Uh, here, here, herein lies buried uh, Ben Frawley and the negative, the last negative to Last Jedi. <laughs> so here's no one can see I, this thing. Here's how I would have made the film. Please follow me at www.lastjedistinks.com. Yeah. Bury me ass up so he can still kiss my ass one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lynette, no, sorry. Keep going with your review. Sorry. So you were saying that. Uh, so why did this? Why was this movie so much fun? I think part of it was is because you had this. Um, you know, it's really hard with ensemble casts. Um, I feel like a lot of the time they're either hit or miss because either they give the actors enough time to get together and know each other and really kind of develop their characters and play off of one each other, one another, or they don't. And then you're like, oh, none of you knew what the other person was doing. And I think in this movie, they gave them just enough time to develop their characters, to know how they were interacting as a family. Um, and so you believed it. You're like, oh yeah, this is a crazy batshit family. Um, and they each had such quirks that you were just like, I can't. <laughs> like, you just had to laugh Almost at them because you don't feel bad for them. Not well, without giving it away. Yeah, you don't really feel bad for them. Well, um, you got you got Captain America, and you've been watching him, and you you love the guy. He's yeah. protecting our planet, and then you got him in this movie where he's just this pompous asshole that you you love to hate the guy. Yeah, completely and, different. And I think that if he. I think this movie would have been recepted differently if he had done did this movie further away from Captain America. With and that's all I can say on that. Without you guys see, without Ben seeing it or awesome. possibly the people on the podcast. I did think I mean I I really did think about going to see it. I wasn't nothing was going on Sunday night. I really did think about going to see it, but I'll wait for a video. I mean, it just seems like a really fun kind of thing. Hopefully no one spoils it for me. So, Bobby, what did you think about it? It was you can't go wrong when you got Michael Shannon in any movie. That guy just brings it out a hundred percent every time. He uh, freaks and then me he, out so bad. Yeah, even in this one. Oh, Lynette, did you, do you know I I uh, met him on a set up here what? in Syracuse? No. Oh yeah, he and uh, he looks like that in real life too. Just oh, want to put uh, that out there. He oh, I know more, he does. Yeah, he looks more Michael Shannon than Michael Shannon on film. So, but Bobby, I've keep going. Sorry, yeah, Bobby, I interrupted. Yeah, uh, and then he got the main actress. Who she has a little quirk in the movie I won't mm. say, but she, 
I don't know anything else she's been in off the uh-huh. top of my head, but she's amazing. She's amazing. Then you got Daniel Craig with the terrible English accent that you forget <laughs> about after the first three minutes and you start to love the guy. Yeah. And then the writing, then the story, and the twists and turns, all to the last five minutes. Just a great, yeah. great movie. I brought my father, who puts thumbs down to everything, and he gave it a little uh, little standing ovation at the end. Mm. Well, he didn't stand up because he's a little too old, but a, a sitting <laughs> ovation was called. <laughs> he's, he's, he's kill no, he's been telling everybody that they should go see it, too. All right. He, oh. goes, to one, he goes to one movie a year. Yeah. So apparently the main the main woman there is um her name is Anna de Armas. She's gonna be in No Time to Die with uh Daniel Craig. Oh good. Um they're good together. And apparently oh, she was also in uh Blade Runner. 20, oh, I know that actress. Great. Twenty forty nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them. Yeah. All right. So yeah, good. I'll see you when it comes awesome. out. Awesome, awesome, Lynette. Awesome. Uh Bobby, what do you got first on the docket today? I got a little, I went a little different. I brought a little sports to the table here. When do you and... ever go the way you're supposed to? <laughs> Sorry, you sound like my parents. <laughs> Just stay in school. <laughs> uh, so last season in the NBA, you don't need to know basketball really to know this story or to follow it. Okay. Uh, last season, there's a player, uh, Russell Westbrook. And, you know, when you go to any sporting event, you got your athletes and you got the fans. And they always have a little interaction. Well, this one went a little above and beyond. Russell Westbrook and this fan were yelling at each other. And he didn't know really what was going on. But this fan got banned for life. And now he and his girlfriend are suing uh, the, the stadium for, it is $68 million for damages. And it was been a back and forth of, you know, he said, she said. Uh, Russell said that they were talking about racism and, and personal things. And, and so Russell went off a little bit and the fans were, were not too happy. They don't feel they should be banned. Uh, and it's still ongoing. The, the stadium still stands by Russell Westbrook and says, you know, we're standing by him. He didn't do anything wrong. So my question to you guys is, do you think there should be more rules against fans, how close they get to the players? Uh, you know, just any sporting event or even concerts, really, of fans being distant from what whatever they're going to watch. Wait a minute. I, I need a clarification question, if you don't mind. So was there an actual physical altercation or nope. just a verbal altercation? All or nothing? verbal. Russell Westbrook said, I have a little quote here. He went a little crazy, all right? Not mm-hmm. a little crazy, but he says, I promise you, you think I'm playing? I swear to God, I swear to God, I'll fuck you up. You and your wife, I'll fuck you up. And so that's what he said, and you didn't really know what the um, the other two people were saying, but apparently it was racial-fueled, and it doesn't change the fact that they're still banned and trying to get $68 million. Hmm. Which I don't think they'll get. It's a little far-fetched for being kicked out for saying something. Don't well, know. You know, I, I, you know that story, I mean, that's a different story. I, I, Russell Westbrook, Westbrook can be kind of outspoken at times. Uh, but I think in general, I kind of like uh, sporting events. We've been to a couple of sporting events this year. 
I kind of like order <laughs> in sporting events now. Uh, don't get me wrong, especially when we have like a five-year-old in tow. Uh, you know, I appreciate lots of security, lots of people like looking out for people, lots of buses, you know what I mean? Bus routes and uh, where to stand. I kind of appreciate that. And like, I hate to be like hyper vigilant, but you know, in today's awful America, <laughs> Uh, any, any kind of shit could go down. So I kind of appreciate like cops everywhere. I kind of appreciate everyone, security guards, just everywhere. I just, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm just being a dad right here, <laughs> but I, I kind of like that. Like, I know I appreciate like Lambo leap. I appreciate people mm-hmm. storming the court, uh, you know, people, you know, running on the field and like streakers and stuff. But at some point, uh, you know, maybe it was, I don't know, point to, mass shootings and stuff but my brain just goes to papa bear mode i don't know like when you have a kid in like let's say like when i took the kiddo and it was just me and him camping like papa bear would come out like hmm. any kind of a stranger would walk up to us and just start talking to us like i would like who are you <laughs> like i would just like totally like uh, like my, my face must have been like the biggest scowl of all time like unlike when you're like with like other adults you're like oh all right go get some stuff you'll be okay like I kind of get that hyper vigilant feeling, especially in a place like the Carrier Dome. There's so many, so many people. Just I don't know, Lynette. What do you think about that? So I think that I don't know. I have because I'm also I'm brought back to uh, there was an article on the onstage blog about a woman that got kicked out of a Q and A um, after the slave play um, because she just wouldn't shut up. Like they forcibly removed her. Um, she made her point. They had kind of discussed it, and then she just kept going about how uh, she was sick of people telling her that um, that as a white woman, she needed to be sorry for slavery or some. It was something I'm misquoting it, but it was something like that. She kept going on about it. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. It was that she was sick of people telling her just because she was white, she was racist. That was her statement. Oh, um, it probably had nothing to do with <laughs> like the play or what. Yeah, so right, so kind of off, right? And the author, and the author did very well. He's like, I am glad that none of these characters spoke to you, um, because that means that you're hella woke and you're more, <laughs> right, more it's good. Yeah, you're good. Um, yeah, you're not kept... you're not Michael Fassbender in Twelve Years a Slave or something. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, I like that going... guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bad thing to feel. Yeah, related. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she kept going on about it and she was just like, all right. So, and then, so they had to forcibly remove her. And to me, like, I'm like, so does she get to sue the theater for $68 million for forcibly removing her? You, you know, like. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Lynette, I mean, we're, how many panels were, were we at where just ultra fan boys and girls were up there? Just sometimes they wouldn't even have a question. They'd just be like, we love you, Patrick Stewart. And they start right. tearing up. And it was such an awesome moment. You know what I mean? Everyone started yeah. cheering and stuff. And, like, you want some of those real moments, but there's got to be some sort of cutoff. There's got to right. be some sort of control. And, you know, as a public speaker, right, someone that public like public speaks all the time in front of, like, 12-person groups, and I just spoke in front of, like, 200-something people, you, that's kind of your job as well. Like, when you're the MC on one of those panels at Comic-Con, you have to control the room and your fellow speakers up there too right and that's the other thing though is, is like 
I think it also depends on what's being said. So if this was a, if the comments that precipitated the athlete's reaction were um, were racially motivated, that's not acceptable. However, I do not. I honestly do not think they deserve a financial reward for being kicked out or banned for life, unless it's to unless they had somehow had a lifetime seat, like. I don't know if it was bequeathed to them and that's what they're looking for is the reimbursement of the cost of the seat. Like I know in Yankee stadium and like uh Red Sox stadium, things get like handed down in wills. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So like if, if it's that, if it's something that like there is a monetary value saying, okay, you paid in theory that these seats would cost 60, $62 each. And you have two seats for the entire rest of your life. Assuming your life is, 80 years and that's what we're paying we're basically buying out your seats because you're now banned that's one thing if that's what they're looking for however don't act a fool and like yell out racial slurs to a sports dude like <laughs> yes so it ended with the stadium saying we don't have any evidence and what the video shows is that you're wrong we're sticking with russell and they're denying their 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 claim for right now all right still ongoing though yeah, I I mean, I as for your Papa Bear statement, um I'm just generally hypervigilant. I've always been raised to be hypervigilant. So for me that's nothing new, whether there's yeah. been cops or yeah, not. Yeah, I mean I mean Lynette, like when we were at Comic Con, I, I appreciate all these people with crazy metal wings on and you know what I mean? Like all these <laughs> fake weapons and stuff, but I did appreciate all the police presence and all the security presence. Like you had to go through metal detectors, they they went crazy on all pieces of costume. Like, yep. so this guy that was beautifully dressed like Bishop from the X-Men, uh, you know, he, they checked his weapon, made sure it wasn't a real weapon. I, I appreciated that. And so I think when you have something like that, you have people making fake weapons and going through um, security checks, uh, then you can relax when you're in there. You know what I mean? That's when you can kind of breathe and go, oh, this is cool. That guy's holding like a fake Uzi, not a real yeah. one. It's just... I don't know. Bobby, what do you think? What, 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 why did you bring up the story? What, what do you think about, like... Well, it brought me back to, like, 15 years ago when uh, the basketball team in, in Indianapolis, the, the uh, Pacers, they ran up into the, the stadium. I don't know if you've ever seen this, Lynette. So, Ron Artest, basketball player, got in a fight with another player. He left and went and, went and sat on little sidelines and he laid mm -hmm. down and he was going to just scoring table. Yeah. And he was just going to, you know, let everything pass. And out of nowhere from the crowd comes a beer and it either hits him or gets close. Well, he freaked out. He ran 20 rows up into the stands and started throwing haymakers and about three other players went along with him, and they started fighting people in the stands. Then it came back down below and then there was more fighting. People got knocked out and people got hurt. And so I don't know how, Things changed after that with security and officers. I, I think I see a lot more uh, officers go out on the, the court, like in basketball, during timeouts and everything now. Uh, but there was probably not that much back then. So when you say, Ben, that you're Papa Bear mode, I don't know how you would have reacted if the guy next to you threw a beer and our test thinks it's you and he, yeah. he's coming after you. Yeah. Do you meet him halfway? Do you turn and put your back to him and guard your kid? Kid. Yeah, just yeah. Let guard him the, the kid. Hell out put the back your, of your head. Yeah. Well, or Deacon at this point, is not me. Like taller, Deacon's taller than me at this point, so I'm going to put him in front of me. 
<laughs> Ron, take care of this run our test his name's gonna be meta world peace soon uh so good story good story bobby uh so uh, my number one this week is something i have to talk about the show the watchman yeah season finale on sunday from episode six seven eight and nine i've never experienced or it's been a long time since i've experienced a show within such a small time where there's been so many twists that my jaw dropped to the floor where I, 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 I like, I think the kid was asleep in the other room and I like, I, I out loud, I said, Oh my God, like WTF, like no shit. Like there was so many like no shit moments that, that I didn't call. Like you just said, Lynette, like I love watching something and I just had no idea. Like I was, and they did it in such a small time, such a small, you know, like usually like big, plot shifting moments happen after four seasons or five seasons. Like, Oh, you know, Oh my God, I can't believe Jack's teller did this in season six or something like that usually, but it took us just nine episodes to have something that reminded me of the original comics that had me kind of get into it so fast and so hard. Um, I just want to hear your guys final thoughts. I, I know that I heard varying things from you, Bobby, like about, you know, really early on, you were like, this show is kind of slow. I'll stick with it. But then you kind of bounce back a little. Um, I want to hear your overall thoughts if you – and then there's a question out there on the internet that I've read. You know, I had a couple other, you know, thoughts to talk about about the last episode. But there's a question out there. Sh- should there be a season two? Or is it perfect just leaving it as is, as a nice kind of – you know, the thing about the Watchmen comic is the great thing about it is it's a finite thing that it is a kind of finite run. Twelve issues, you're done. Should there just be twelve nine episodes of this and we're all done? So Lynette, what were your thoughts at the end of the season? My thoughts at the end of the season were um because you oh no, wait, that's right. Bobby and I had a separate conversation. So I know that you you guys had talked about the black and white episode with the hooded um uh hooded, just- hooded, hooded justice. And I was and I was I liked the episode. I thought it was it was well done, but I just I was like, okay. Like for me it was an okay episode. It wasn't super amazing. It wasn't like I I liked that they interjected her, but it wasn't overwhelming for me. It was the next episode, seeing her backstory, Sister Knight's, like, young youth age, and seeing, like, that that repeat that, like, I was like, oh, oh, I, oh, all right. Right, I like see the, what... that, that genetic programming, like, she was genetically destined to be a police officer and a masked Avenger, that episode, and, like, in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is it's not just genetically, it's also racially. Um, right. Unfortunately, the systemic racism in America just lends itself to repeating the sins of the past. Um, and this final episode where I was just like, I was blown away by the final episode. Like, I was sitting there. I um, I wasn't sure if I was going to watch it or not because it was late. I had to go to work early. And I uh, got family staying with me and I was like, guys, I'm going to watch I'm going to watch this TV show and then I'm going to bed. And they were like, OK. And I was screaming so loud <laughs> at least three times that they came out and they're like, are you OK? What's going on? 
forgetting that I don't live with people, so I'm not used to people hearing my actual reactions <laughs> to TV shows. But I just, that final scene, honestly, I would be okay either way. I would be, as long as it could stand up to what they did in the first season, I'd be okay with the second season. And I'd honestly be okay if it was just that, if it was just one season. Me too. I, I think, you know, what we have on our hands here is kind of like a very different kind of monster. I, I don't think that they need to rush. Like, even if there's, if three years passes and they're like, okay, I think we have something, let's go into production. I'd be, I'd be kind of happy with that too. Yeah. I think they really need to take their time. Like this season really needs a rewatch in my mind. There was so much going yes. on and it's, and it's nonlinear too. So there's so many little subtle things like um, in the episode, a God walks into a bar, um, mm-hmm. which uh, do, do you know why that, that episode. that episode is called that? Um, no, I mean, other than the fact that it's. A Dr. God walking to a bar, but it's spelled a B A R one word. Do you know why it's called that? Because her husband's name is Calvin a bar. Oh, it's so great. The show is so smart in these weird little punny ways. It's just crazy. Uh, so, um, I don't know. I just, I, I think everything like unfurled at the end. I, I just, Osmandius was great. And just, uh, Jeremy Irons, his character mm-hmm. came to fruition. That whole, you know, save me daughter reveal at the end was yes. just so powerful. Like there were so many reveals that just kept going. And you're like, Oh my God, that's what this show is all about. Cause I think Bobby, you said something on the air, like, What's up with Jeremy Irons? Why is he up here in this moon? What the hell's going on with that storyline? And then for that to reveal and then that to super quickly, I don't know. I, I just thought it was genius. Bobby, what do you think of the end? What do, you, what do you got? So when I watch something where I'm not sure how it ended or what it meant, I go to the all-powerful uh, YouTube. And so I looked at the recaps, a couple of different episodes. And so it, it did have the thing like walking to an A-bar uh, and callbacks. And it also even had one of, uh, remember the, the guy that lubed himself and went into the sewers? Oh, yeah, the little yeah. Lube, lube guy. Yeah, lube yeah guy. it explained that there was um, something online that uh, if you click on it, it gives you a little document uh, that it was the, the main uh, female cop, the, the white woman, her tall, skinny partner. Oh, the little nerdy partner that knew all her backstory. Yeah, uh, it turned out it was yeah. him. So I like that it goes a step beyond not just the show, but you have to dig in a little deeper to find out even things like that. So any any show that does something like that, I like. And I also love, uh, I know Ben doesn't, but uh, Damon Littleoff, who I, I really liked because he, uh, he wrote Lost. And, you know, Ben watched about five minutes of it and gave up. And I watched every single episode in about a month. So I love it. And so I've been following him. And he, he does give those little little uh, clues that you have to follow along to and they'll pay off in the long run. Oh, like Hurley's number to the city. Uh, yeah, I get it. I, yeah. I watched a little more than the lottery. one episode. It's the lottery. You're not a fan. Get out of here. <laughs> monster. Oh, yeah. hey guys, the smoke monster oh, saying yeah. all these people. Wait, but I won't mention it. Let's just get back to whatever. I knew I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> I just knew there was a giant polar bear. That's all I knew about Lost. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was brought there testing. Anyways, anyways. Uh, so what do you think at the end do you think she would stand or do you think she would sink? And that's the reason why I don't care if it ends or keeps going is because I just don't know yet. I haven't. I. 
I haven't made that decision because I'm thinking about so many things. I'm thinking about her children. I'm thinking about the fact that now the world maybe can start self-governing now that it thinks that Dr. Man, like it could actually know that Dr. Manhattan is gone and can't save them. So maybe, maybe he's gone. Maybe. Well, well, you cannot that's, destroy. Well, that's, that's it. That's well, and that's the thing. Maybe right. he's gone. So there will be but, a season two. So they said that uh, yeah. writer Damon is meeting with HBO in January to decide if they want to make season two or not. Well, I, I and I think that's the main question is if because he says. You need to remember this moment, you know what I mean? That's why, like the first time they meet, he cracks the egg, drinks the beer with the egg in it. And he was like, remember this moment and it'll it'll come in hand when it's time. Mm hmm. So what what did he mean by that? Because Doctor Manhattan speaks in kind of riddles because mm -hmm. he's not of our sequential timeline. Like he's speaking to everyone at the same time. Well, no, he was at a bar and he was drunk. He didn't know what he was saying. Yes, he no, did. He, <laughs> he <knew>. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, you're right. No. Uh, so, but like, does that mean that he can like rise above matter? Like you're saying, all energy is. You can't destroy all energy or matter. Matter just disperses. So, like, when he was dispersed, is he just continuously living on so the whole egg thing doesn't play out? It was that just kind of like a ruse in case she got captured? Um, I, and then there's always a question of how much does Dr. Manhattan know and care about? I mean, in the first – if you read the comics mm -hmm. and you just watch the show, um, he's kind of a dick. Yeah. He's not a good husband. He's not a good boyfriend because he'll tell you about this girl he's going to bang 20 years from now when he breaks up with you. <laughs> so, like, you're sitting there crying and he's like, well, you know, you're still going to make love to, to me in like five minutes when this necklace comes through the door that I ordered for you. <laughs> and then she does it. It's like, she's like, no, I'm not. And then she does it. It's like, he's kind of a dick. And so, you know, just like when he's talking to, um, uh, what's her name? Sister, sister, none, right? What's her name? Sister uh, Knight. Sister Knight. And she's, and he's like, you're going to ask me to leave you now. And she's like, there's nothing I can do. And then he like says something even more dickish. And she's like, now you can leave. So he's, he's very, he's really like that. He, he speaks in riddles because he wants you to act a certain way. And so does Osmandius too. Like he's the right. world's smartest man. So at the end, was he captured on purpose so he can finally get credit for saving the world in 1986? Because that was the critique. Like, oh, world's smartest man can't call a wrench behind the head, <laughs> in the back of the head. But he kind of what does want to get captured in a way so they can have a trial of the century and he can get credit for saving us from nuclear annihilation. All great things in season two. Uh, so there, there's potential, but I just hope they do it right. Because to me, this season was probably pretty close to flawless. I, Josh was on the pod um, a week ago, and he was like, you know, any underground shows that you're talking about you know, or that you're thinking about that are hard for people to get into? And I'm going to say it's this one, even though it's a very famous show. People are into it. But trying to get someone into The Watchmen that has no frame of reference is like one of the hardest things ever. <laughs> because, I know I couldn't get my dad into yeah. it if I tried. Yeah, it's one I of the hardest things. I feel like it also depends, though, on their background and on their history, because one of the things that I've noticed is in my chat groups for like people of color and black nerds and stuff like that. They're all in it. Like it, first episode, they're like, this is our story. We're down. We got this. Like, this is for us. Like, 
And so I think that's a huge thing that that just speaking from as a as a person of color, it's nice to be like, oh, they're talking about the real shit. Like this is not they're not pussyfooting around it. They're using real things in history, even though it's based in a fantastical reality. It's a way to kind of show what we've been trying to explain for years that our lives are different. The way we think is different. Um, and also, can we discuss the fact that Dr. Manhattan is a black dude? Uh, that's He's huge blue. to me. He's kind of blue, but don't start <laughs> He's a person of color. Don't blue color. He's black on the you know outside. I mean? You know what I mean? No. No, no, it, it, I love the, the choices of the show are just so perfect. I mean, they're in 1986, they were definitely talking about Cold War politics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all great sci fi and fantasy shows speak about real things, you know, whether it be Star Trek or anything like that, where they bring up real topics about humanity. And this show was not scared, did not pussyfoot around about. Uh, the state of race relations in America today in 2019. Like, it did not mess around at all. Like, I mean, that first episode, Lynette, when you watched the, um, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and like, was it mm-hmm. 1923? Um, mm-hmm. So powerful and crazy to watch that with like a thousand people in the theater, too. That was insane. People were like s- silent. They're like, everyone sounds your phones. Oh, we're going to come around. Not one person was talking or moving or just everyone was like, what the hell is this show? Like, what is going on? Oh, that's on? right. You got into that panel. I didn't. That's right. Next <laughs> year, baby. Next year, baby. We'll get you in. Um, so, uh, I don't need yeah. a to get me in. But yeah. like privilege. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I just, like, I just, I loved how this show was not scared of those things. It's going to be hard to, to top that without yeah. going after the same topic next season. Um, cause I feel like a show like the Watchmen or a topic like the Watchmen, you want to go after something that is a real political or a real topic in humanity now and, and go after it. And so I'd love they, to see them attack something else. They have, they've set it up. If Angela takes on, if, if they go this route, if Angela takes on the abilities of Dr. Manhattan, now we have an entire season about feminist rights and feminine equality. And not only just feminine equality, but people of color feminine equality. That's true. Like, like would, oh, that actually, that's a great way to put it because you had, I mean, you had these sinister white, (laughs) you know, like uh, senators and like these old, like white dudes and like the, yeah, the weird, like signals on their foreheads kind of guys. Um, doing the, uh, oh, that's the Ku Klux Klan thing. Yeah. Uh, doing like the weird kind of like signals to each other and the guy, the old white guy in the wheelchair. And if, yeah, Angela rolls out as, you know, miss, Mrs. Dr. Manhattan or Dr. Manhattan female version, or uh, just Dr. Manhattan, right. They're going to have to deal with it. And and, RN Manhattan. Yeah. (laughs) There is some male privilege happening on here that I cannot Uh, (laughs) take it back. Y'all take it back. So, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot to say. I didn't think about that, Lynette. So, you know, I just I just hope they do it right. It was just such a great show. (laughs) Yeah, he is. (laughs) But I think there was just so much on there to ingest. The, The cast was great. 
everything was great. They just did it right. I just love, I just love how like in the Watchmen in general, you have Doctor Manhattan, who's a a, a bona fide superhero, right? Like, mm-hmm. so like a, a traditional crazy powers Superman, right there. And everyone else is like Osmandius, pretty smart, uh, but everyone else is just dudes in masks. <laughs> and that's the same thing that happened in the comic, and same thing that happened here. Like, no one really has like a power per se. Like, you might be like kind of tough and uh, kind of badass, but you're not really like like superpowers like Doctor Manhattan. You know what I mean? Can we talk about the greatest superpower of that last episode? What's that? His schlong. <laughs> Well, I have alluded, never seen. They alluded to that, like when when uh, Silk Spectre broke out the uh, the blue dildo in that one right. episode. Yeah, but like Lynette, we're trying to have an adult conversation here. <laughs> no, no, and you're I, ruining it. <laughs> I am not because this is another thing. I have never seen so much full frontal male nudity, and I respect that. It's about time. Get over here right now, and we will double what you just saw. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's consensual. Uh, and it is I will drive out there Oh, oh, all right. see what I hope happens in season 2 is um, Osmandius gets uh, arrested he wants the credit for saving the world they don't give it to him he says you know what I will destroy the world and they will go after him and that'll he'll be the next bad guy and maybe towards the middle or end they'll get into Dr. Manhattan coming back or or Sister Knight maybe having some powers in herself I don't think she will I think maybe um, somebody else will come along, but I think Osmandia is coming back as as big bad in, in season two. That's a great prediction. That's but like I like how the show and the comic, you're left with these kind of thoughts. Like it's not like good one or evil one or you know uh, evil triumphed and oh my god we have to be like it's always kind of like an uneasy ending. Like some good stuff happened. Like in the comics, like three, three and a half million people died, but at least the world didn't explode. So here we are. Like, it's just like this uneasy feeling. I, I just love it. Like, like did, um, you know, Lady True kill all those nasty Senator white supremacists? Hell yeah. But then she was crushed by her own like giant orb <laughs> and like shot through the hand, which was so awesome. Like a Gatling throws gun. Squid. Yeah. Throws and squid but through the hand. About Lady True. I just realized something. Yeah. She totally could come back in second season. How's that? If she was smart enough to clone her mother and force feed her her mother memories, why wouldn't she do the same for her? Or, ha- or her mom clone her and bring right. her back. Right. That's what I'm saying. Sorry. Good call. Good call. Good call. Hmm. I would like that because I like Lady True. I thought she was a unique I character. was hoping she would win and actually become uh, <laughs> powerful. I thought she would have been like the greatest villain of all time, but... I think she did. She did. It's kind of like, uh, I think her name was uh, Galandriel in Lord of the Rings. Remember when uh, Frodo or- offers her the ring? And he's like, why don't you oh, take witch. it? Yeah. And then yeah. she's like, you will have such a powerful queen oh and like rule. God. That was kind of like her. <laughs> like, I sunk was... in my seat when she got all dark. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh my God. I got a fear <laughs> Frodo, Frodo get out of here. <laughs> she was not a witch. She was an elf. There's the difference. That's right. That's right. Nerd alert. <laughs> uh, also, feminist alert. You can't feminist. just call. You just can't what? call every woman a witch. Well, she she did spells. <laughs> Males are warlocks, uh, and, and women are witches, right? It's like Mister and Mrs., right? It's not. I guess I think they need didn't a gender neutral. I didn't witch. know I should be politically correct for Lord of the Rings here. <laughs> Wait, so so a woman can call herself a warlock? 
I, I, I call Well, you're talking to a Wiccan here, so yeah, she did take it. <laughs> a, Jewish, a Jewish Wiccan, yes, yes, you are. Ow, I, I feel a pain in my back. Lynette, have you ever called yourself a warlock before? I think not. I say good day. I, I... <laughs> All right, Lynette, what's your number two? <laughs> what's your number two story? Oh, my gosh. I'm having too much fun. I don't even remember. Hold, please. Um, oh, okay. Because uh, I'm going to keep it going on the black empowerment um, front. Just finished uh, an audiobook by Trevor Noah. I know it's been out for a while, but listening to the audiobook is just a treat because he reads it. It's his Born a Crime, and it's out on Audible. Cool. And um, it is an amazingly powerful story. However, it is absolutely hilarious as well. Um, and so you now, get this. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't know him that well. Uh, he's from South Africa, right? Correct. He's from yeah, South okay. Africa. Yep. And he's had a, uh, I think I find myself as a kindred spirit with him because, you know, he's also a, a Wiccan Jewish half white, half black person. Half breed? Wait, he's Wiccan as well? No, no I'm way. joking. Oh, no. I'm joking. <laughs> I was like, but wait, <laughs> that is a small circle of people. Yeah. This book, this audio book is for you, Lynette. <laughs> no, he's half white and half black. His dad was German Swiss. Um, right. His mother was South African, um, and I can't say her tribe because uh, gotcha. it's the Click tribe. Um, and it's about him growing up and then having to handle life um, being just not fitting in because of the laws of apartheid. But like when he was growing up, it's towards the end of apartheid. And so it's this really kind of neat journey that he goes on. And then also the fact that his mom ends up getting remarried and there's uh, stories of domestic violence um, and his brothers, uh, he ends up getting two half brothers. Um, but again, there's some, just some really funny heartfelt stories. Uh, there's what about his dance troupe? And apparently I did not know this, but there are Jewish people in South Africa um and uh you apparently blacks uh blacks had to have an english name a tribal name and then a, a family name a last name mm -hmm. right. um and so uh the a lot of the english names were just because they weren't educated properly on history of world and stuff they were like he's like i had a lot of friends named mussolini because <laughs> they knew that it was a strong strong name that they were attacked they attacked they attacked people and at one point they were winning and then they lost um like so he goes into this whole story about how these names that we associate or things that might be weird to us in the west i guess it's not the west uh in the north would be different for them in south africa um based on just their references but it's it is hilarious. And if you are a child of the, um, like, if you remember being in the mid-90s, early 2000s, he's got lots of references that even though uh, you didn't grow up in South Africa, you still can, um, what's it called, uh, connect to. Um, and so it's just really hilarious. And you could read it. Uh, however, I suggest listening to it in his voice if you can get it from the library or get it from audible if you have a uh, subscription or if you download it for the free stuff and then 
get rid of it. Um, I really suggest listening to it. It's a great, great. What's it uh, called? It's called Born a Crime. Mm. Born of Crime? Nope. Born a Crime. Born a Crime. Oh, even worse. He's he's illegal. You uh, black people were not allowed to have sexual relationships with uh, white people in South Africa, and any child of colored considered colored background uh, were illegal babies. Yeah, and tech, yeah, yeah. Like so, any South African is not allowed to have relations with an African. That's what they call them down there. Like it's double A at the end. Yeah. Like and, and so yeah, I read. Um, Nelson Mandela's uh, autobiography and uh, just uh, all those, it, it's a different world. It's, it's a yeah. different planet. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, you're, you're not allowed to drive a car. Or, I, I don't know. You're not allowed to make eye contact with police. It's, it's pretty wild down there. It's just, and then that, that, that must be a fascinating read. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome stuff. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that he does the mix because otherwise you'd be like, Oh my God. How did he survive? Like, how did they all survive? How did an entire nation survive like this for years? Um, and then they did. And but like, you know, there's some stuff that, you know, he he was, as he puts it, he was a naughty boy. Um, and so he used to get beat by his mama. I mean, who doesn't relate to that? Uh, maybe some people. Um, but like, you know, you know, and then he jokes about him being fast and then his mom being faster because she always had a chase after him. <laughs> you know, That's so there's awesome. like, yeah, there's like this fun, this fun stuff. And um, I think he's on, uh, is he on tour right now? I think he's on tour he for stand yep. He is on tour. Like, um, I know he's coming to Albany sometime, Times Union Center. I'm hoping to get tickets because I really like to see that. Um, and then, yeah, so he's going around the nation. So I figured it's a good time. And I also think he has another, he has a new book out, which is actually his biography, which is a little straight, more straightforward. And I think it, it handles after he left South Africa as well. Gotcha. Awesome, Lynette. Awesome. Awesome. I can't wait to uh, listen to that. I'm going to listen to that on the, I have a lot of drives coming up to uh, the Berkshires, so I'm going to check that out. Uh, Ew, Bobby. are we fancy? Ooh. Yeah, he just said it with his pinky up too. The Berkshires. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Bobby, what is your number two, buddy? My number two is something I read about today that, uh, was a little interesting. I did not know about this, um, but it has to do with Charlize Theron, the Mm -hmm. actress of all actresses. So she is open. I'm just going to read right from what I copied here. She is opening up about the night her mother killed her father in self-defense. Have you ever heard of this? Wait, yes. Shirley's Theron? We were just talking about South Africa. So, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, wait, she's what? from what? South what? Africa, too. Wait, yep. what? Her mother killed her father in self-defense. Didn't know yes, that. Yes, I have heard that. That's the You reason did hear why that? She, yes, that's part of the reason why she wanted to do... Uh, what was that movie that she did all the makeup for that she played the serial killer? Mo- oh. Monster? Oh, Monster, yeah. That's why. Mm-hmm. What? Oh. No, this is this is real. This is real. Yes. What? So, uh, the bombshell actress who's forty-four was speaking to NPR about her father drunkenly threatening her and her mother on the night in nineteen ninety-one when she was fifteen. She said, "My father was so drunk that he shouldn't have been able to walk when he came into the house with a gun. My mom and I were in the bedroom leaning against the door because he was trying to push through the door." And then she continued, so both of us were leaning against the door from the inside to have him not be able to push through. He took a step back 
and just shot through the door three times. None of the bullets hit us, which is just a miracle, she added. Uh, To save her daughter and herself, her mother shot her husband. But in self-defense, she added the threat. The actress said, that is why no charges were brought against the mother. So you want to hear something interesting? Yeah. Trevor Noah's mother was shot by her alcoholic husband in front of the entire family after coming home from church. Was shot through the back of the head and into the face. Oh. Wow. That is crazy. You know, that's crazy that people that are in entertainment, you know, uh, I'm speaking about Shirley Theron, like, Charlize Theron was in a movie called Atomic Blonde, which is a very mm-hmm. violent movie. You know what I mean? It's a very entertainment, you know, as a goofy kind of dude just watching a movie. It's a very entertaining kind of John Wick style movie. But what's really interesting as a person that deals with people that have gone through extreme trauma, how that doesn't re-traumatize someone. That someone's able to go through like weeks of like, Action training, gun training, you know, be manhandled by men and like, you know, shoot them and stuff like that. And how that doesn't affect you is just a miracle of how the brain works and how we can compartmentalize stuff. I, I don't know. That's just my thoughts about the whole thing. That's crazy. That's yeah. It, that's kind of, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, but if you think about it, like I'm trying to think back to any of her action movies, they're usually feminine feminine forward like it's not it's not a guy if a guy attacks a woman the woman gets her revenge like I, if, I at know. least for sure I, I know yeah i know in, in the end of things logically you're right but in the moment true there's a there's a couple hairy moments in the movie i'm just thinking of monster and atomic blonde where you think she's gonna die at any second yeah, i mean that's a good point that she's being held down by this giant brutish drunken man it's you know, and you know, in my um, in my program, I do theater therapy and stuff, and it's pretty wild how that can theater and make believe can be a very th- therapeutic thing. But this is kind of like an ex- extreme fucking case. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But Bobby, keep going. What? What? Why'd you bring this up? Just well, well, for your opinions, I know this is kind of up your alley here. Yeah. Uh, but she went on to to also say that uh, I only knew him one way, and that was an alcoholic. It was a pretty hopeless situation. Our family was kind of stuck in it. And the day-to-day unpredictability of living with an addict is one thing you sit with and have kind of embedded in your body for the rest of your life, more than just one event of what happened one night. I think our family was incredibly healthy one, unhealthy one. And all of it, I think, scared us in a way. Of course, I wish what happened that night would have never happened. It's unfortunately what happens when you don't get to the root of these issues. And she said she hasn't shied away from discussing circumstances of her father's death uh, and her mother's involvement. Says, I don't know what who I might have been without that. And then she uh, she gave a, a number for domestic violence uh, hotline. But I thought it was just an incredible story I've never heard of. And it just makes her movies, you know, uh, taking another level of how you interpret it and of her acting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and... and... You know, I've seen firsthand like people with extreme anxiety, like panic disorder, at least, and trauma backgrounds, just be able to do improv with me on like a stage and just 
it's it's pretty it's miraculous like how a brain that it makes me think of like a per like the will to live the will to survive kind of kicks in and how theater and acting and entertainment can be like a very healing process for people up there and it's it's a kind of unintangible thing like where you can't just pinpoint like oh okay uh, I'm going to introduce you to theater. <laughs> you're going to introduce you to this improv and then you're going to be better from all panic attacks or something like that. <laughs> it doesn't really work like that. I can't oh. prescribe improv to anyone. Um, but it, it's, it's a slow process. It's a very kind of, it kind of makes you be, be a kid again. Like where like, you're just like, Oh, we're going to play make believe. And you just, you play over here in the sand. I'll play in the sand and then, uh, don't mess up my castle. And, uh, yeah, do anything you want and uh, rock and roll. That's what improv is. Yes, and and I've seen it firsthand. Lynette, have you seen have you seen that firsthand, or you felt that firsthand the healing power of like theater and entertainment? Oh my god, yeah. Uh, we a couple of different situations. Actually, just recently, we had a patient who was dealing with a traumatic situation, and she was dealing with it with humor. And she even said that she's like, "I'm sorry." I kind of joke about it because that's how I can handle it. And I was like, whatever way you can process it to move on and be better, I'm okay with. And so she and I went back and forth and had some jokes. And unfortunately, they are not appropriate for air. Um, so, right, right. Um, but but they're, they, they're important for the moment. They're important for the moment. And actually, they were they were so good. Like, I like people knocked on the door and were like, Lynette, you're laughing really loud. Can you please keep it down? Um, because she did. She just, she made me laugh. Um, and she felt better because she was laughing and making somebody laugh. Um, and she was more calm in the situation. And then also I worked with, um, I volunteered at a boys, a boys school where they were brought from uh, different areas and brought to the school and they lived at the school um, due to issues uh, with the law, whatever, um, as like a last resort. And I did a theater workshop. Actually, I did Rashomon. Nice. With Powerful. them. Yeah. And uh, it was, they enjoyed the fact that they were like, oh, so one, other people in other cult cultures have these issues. And two, I, I'm not alone. And I think that was really big for them. Like that was a huge moment for them thinking about abuse and seeing abuse and other things. And I theater definitely can be cathartic, but it can like it can also be triggering. And there's there is a fine line that we walk sometimes with that. Very good. Very good. Awesome story, Bobby. That was really cool. Um, good so, job, Bob. Yeah. Look at you. Look at you. Um, so I had a bunch of stories this week because I thought it was just going to be, you know, me and Lynette alone oh, hey. on a microphone, you know, one on one. One on one. Um, so two headphones and a microphone. That's right. <laughs> two hosts, one cup. That's right. Oh. Um, so, um, but let me bring up this. Uh, there is something I've been putting off for years because I knew of its addictive qualities. Sex change. <laughs> I wanted to, <laughs> and I've been putting it off, and I've fallen into the grips of something highly addictive this week, a couple nights ago. I am talking about the game Fortnite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, played my first match a couple nights ago. Uh, I won my first match in the Battle Royale. I actually got first place in my first match. Out of 100? Out of 100. And then I got my first, and then I got first place in my third match as well. So it's a first person shooter, which we are both very familiar with. Um, and this game is just so, the load time's quick. 
It's highly addictive. It's like a slot machine. You don't know what's coming at you. You just want to explore this world. It's it's everything that all these kids are playing. It, it's just it's amazing. But the reason why I want to bring it up is uh, because of Rise of Skywalker, and because of the um, I think it started with Mandalorian and a couple uh, other packs. I might be out of time because it's been a couple of years since this game started. There are new packs where you get to get cool Star Wars stuff. And the other night. I blazed Kylo Ren's lightsaber. <laughs> I hid behind some staircases and a dude came out and I totally owned him. <laughs> and you it felt so pad- awesome. Did you kill the younglings? Oh, I killed it. It was, uh, was it order, uh, order 76 or order six, six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I own this dude. It's kind of awesome. So like you get this one pack. So you, you go through the levels, you search through these little bags. It's usually ammo. Or guns or shotguns or something like that. But then there's like a weird one. It says search. And then out of it comes Mace Windu sword, uh, Kylo Ren sword, Ray's sword, um, Luke's sword. And you get to pick from all of them. And you can just, it's awesome. You can block with them. You can block bullets with them. You could just Jedi up onto people. It's kind of freaking awesome. If you haven't done this yet and gone to Fortnite, it's a totally free game on Xbox One, by the way. You can buy outfits, but pretty much doesn't change how you play. Um, so it's not like one of those like broken games where it's like, oh, you dump 50 bucks in this game, you get like level 99 shit and you get to kill everyone. It's kind of awesome. It's as awesome as everyone says. Um, <laughs> Bobby, what, what you, have you ever played it? I've played three matches in my life. Uh, I think I was one of the first five out each match. Uh, but I played when like you're talking about they stay up to date with with movies and everything. Yeah. I played when two of my favorite characters were added and I actually was killed by them. The first one was Thanos. I was killed by Thanos. <laughs> and the other one, I was killed by John Wick. <laughs> so I played it to get killed by them. Well, I didn't mean to. I'm terrible at it cuz I can't build forts. Yeah. Apparently that's a big part of it. Uh, and I was terrible, so I got killed. But I can see how it would become addictive with you know flying in, landing, building some stuff, uh, shooting, collecting everything. Uh, it was just a little cartoony uh, animation for me to get into it. I'm a big Call of Duty guy, so uh, but that's like the biggest one of the biggest games ever. What was it um, the the YouTuber Ninja? Yeah, yeah, he, he's the best. Uh, is it Fortnite? Or did you play other games? No, it's Fortnite. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's like the biggest star ever and making millions of dollars playing a video game. So, uh, Ben, get better at it. Uh, make your millions. <laughs> I'll be your manager. Lynette, uh, Lynette, I know you're a fellow nerd. Uh, any video games you're into recently? You ever played Fortnite? What's going on? Uh, the only way I knew about Ninja was because he was unmasked week one on Unmasked, the Unmasked Singer. Oh. And then, um, the last first-person shooting game I played was Duck Hunt on Nintendo NES. <laughs> Did you see the Seth Rogen video on Duck Hunt? No. No. So he was um, he was playing Duck Hunt because that's what you know potheads do, I guess. Right. So he... just laugh at the dog because he comes <laughs> up out of the bushes. Yeah. <laughs> so you know you you shoot the you know you're the hunter and then mm-hmm. there's the the duck flying back and forth. Yeah. And you got to shoot it. So he's he's trying to shoot the duck and he accidentally sits on the controller and it changed the direction of the duck. So the second controller 
controls where the duck flies. So it is a two-player game. One person shoots, the other person flies, and you'd kind of have a battle back and forth. He didn't know it. Uh, I don't think anybody knew it except the developer, so he posted it. It was like three years ago, and it like broke Twitter that day. (laughs) I believe it. I believe it. I didn't know that. I know it. Now I want to play Duck Hunt. I got I got two player upset. I got the oh wait I don't have the gun. The gun. Yeah uh, yeah. If anyone's listening to the flat skins. Right. Does it, we need to? Uh, yeah. All right. Listen. I'm not a big gun guy or hunting guy, but I do love me some Buck Hunter. You know what I mean? When I go to Peppy's or something like that, mm-hmm. and there really aren't a lot of home Buck Hunter games except for buying the actual Buck Hunter game for like two grand. What are you talking about, Bunk Hunter? Buck hunter, what? like like the hunting game you in the bars. Deer you know what I mean? And, and then oh, yeah, okay. yeah, those buck. things. Like, buck. Like, like what was I? Uh, what was I saying? Daddy. saying? Bunk. 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 Bunk hunter. Lynette threw me off with bunk. Because <laughs> that's what I heard. Lynette plays the spinoff Spunk Hunter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's out of control. <laughs> But anyway, so I'm 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 now. <laughs> I can't breathe. I'm <laughs> oh, I stumped her. Yeah, wow. Most quiet I've heard Lynette in years. Uh, so, um, but anyway, so I am now. I'm all in on Fortnite. It's as good as everyone says. What's your Xbox name? Frank Booth four sixty two. Come check me out. Frank Booth four sixty two. Of course, you catch me at Golf Ball Wacka nine. That's right. Bring it. Lynette, what's your uh, Nintendo call sign? <laughs> NES. My mom's a better player than I am. Dot <laughs> <laughs> com. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lynette, what is your number three this week? Uh, uh, so my, my number three is kind of sad. I feel bad bringing this up. Oh uh, but it, it moved me, so I needed to. Uh, this week, it was announced that Danny Aiello passed away at age 86. And uh, you guys know who Danny Aiello is, right? Of course. Uh, lovely, lovely Italian-American actor. Can we, can we go through his movies? Because I've only seen one and a half. Oh. One and a half? Yeah, we can totally go through. Off the top of my head, anyways. Okay. Uh, well, did you see Spike Lee do the right thing? That's the half one I've watched. You watch Moonstruck? Nope. Hudson Hawk, baby. Oh, he was. Oh, yeah, he's he was the other just, guy. Yeah. All right, all right. I've yeah. seen two and a half. Two point five. What, he's the professional. Once upon a time in America. My number one. All right. Once upon. I. You know, I've never seen that. Ben oh, was that's on my that's case a good one. It. That's a good one. Uh, uh, Godfather Part Two. Little movie called that. He was in that. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's young in it. He's okay. young. In it. But yeah. Um, Jacob's Ladder. Never watched that one. Harlem Nights. No. Nope. Eddie Murphy, the the funny oh, one, Richard Fishburne? Pryor. No, no. Eddie Murphy, uh, uh, Richard Pryor. Oh no. No. What about uh, Moonstruck? Two Days in the Valley. Was that the sexy one? The sexy one. Is that Charlize Theron and, uh, and, and, uh, Danny what's his Aiello? Well, of course, Danny Aiello and, uh, yeah, James Spader. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it in the theaters, bro. I snuck into that bad boy. Uh, yeah, he's in a lot. And then he's also more famously, he's the dad in, uh, I'm keeping my baby. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep my baby. My baby. Yeah, what's the? Uh, How does it sound familiar? Madonna. What's, Madonna. Oh, music video. I made up my yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah. Papa, don't preach. Papa, don't preach. I'm That's in it. Thank you, Lynette. I couldn't think of the. Oh, before. and MTV used to play music videos. That's right. Yeah. He was the dad. He was. It's like a wicked dramatic music video. I mean, it's like a movie. Yeah. All right. well, well, I've seen one, and it was The Professional, and that's one of my top ten all-time yeah. movies. So. That's like the one thing I know of, and 
I loved him in that one. But great, Lynette. What? Why did you like Danny Aiello? And he's also in um, the Protector with uh, Jackie Chan. Great movie. So I like Danny Aiello because I feel like he always was this person that I would see in movies, and he made me uh, really kind of just in like. I don't know, because I feel like the two things I remember him from most is Moonstruck and um, Moonstruck and Do the Right Thing. And I feel like uh, Do the Right Thing was such a turning point for me just as a movie, um, you know, being raised, watching a Spike Lee joint with all of the information going on. And it was my first Spike Lee and there was Danny Aiello. And then I think not far after it, because of my age, I saw Moonstruck with Cher and Nicolas Cage and Danny Aiello. And um, I was just like, oh, this is like a nice Italian dude. Like he's good. Oh. He plays, he plays good guys. Like, gotcha. so he wasn't, so in his portrayal of, Italian Americans, you're saying that he was breaking stereotypes. Correct. Correct. Excellent. So he Excellent. wasn't the traditional New York New York mobster. Right. I can get behind that, especially the movie Moonstruck is kind of like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's not like just, you know, <laughs> Pesci stabbing someone in the neck with a pen or something like that. Right. It's, you know, it's it's showing a family unit and people like getting married and it having like real dry. I got what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and so like I think the fact that um, you know, and he actually, I just was looking at the IMDb for him. He, he still continued to work. It looks like up until this year, it looks like he has a film coming out in 2000 or in 2019, he did a voice for nothing to say. Um, it was a short, so he was still working. Um, and I think that's awesome that here's this guy that was still working considerably. You recognized him from little parts all throughout and some big parts too, um, and you know, I just like not to forget the little ones. Yeah. I, I love, I love act working actors. They're just working. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just taking parts, not necessarily, um, leading roles, but just parts that just kind of are there. Um, do you have any other, uh, Bobby, do you have any other famous, like that guy in a movie? Like, like where you're like, Oh, it's that guy. Like kind of like Joey Pantoliano, like just kind of like the Joey pants award, the Joey pants award. Well, that may be the epitome of yeah, he's Joey the pinnacle. pants award. Yeah. But like, what is the, what's the guy that you're like, Oh yeah. James Cromwell. Love that guy. Like, is there a guy I'm, I'm going to say, <laughs> see, I, uh, it starts with an last name starts with an S. See, this is perfect. Cause I know, you know, his name, um, but he was, Oh man, he was the devil in Constantine. Oh, Peter Skarsgård. Oh. Is that his yeah. name? Skarsgård. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's that's my all-time favorite. Uh... Oh, he's he's the nihilist in the Big Lebowski. We cut oh, off yeah. your Johnson. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> yeah. He's also in Good Omens. He plays uh... Peter Starmari. Yeah. That's... Stormari. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. knew it wasn't Skarsgård. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That guy. I knew it started with an S. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that fucking guy. <laughs> He's John Wick too, and he's also in uh, Armageddon. He's great in Armageddon. He was in everything. Yeah. yeah. Goddamn Americans! <laughs> I do it myself. <laughs> he is everything, and he is knocks it out of the park. And yeah. he is like the European Samuel L. Jackson. You put him in anything, he yeah. knocks it out. That's right. He he puts everything down the wood chipper. <laughs> too soon. Too oh soon. my god. Wasn't he in Fargo? Yeah. Oh, yeah right. Put Steve Buscemi down yeah, the wood chipper. He was the last one alive who got killed on the lake. That's right. I haven't seen Fargo in so long, and I only oh. watched it once. 
It's aged beautifully. <laughs> First season, the TV show was pretty good. Oh, that's too. Billy Bob is great in that. Billy that's Bob great. was great. That's great. All right, um, Bobby, what's your number three for the week? All right. So my number three is uh, Christopher Reeve. Okay. What? Yeah, that's a good question. He's dead so, too. He, well, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Wait, what happened? <laughs> so he's in a movie this year. No, no. Uh, his original cape from the 1978 film Superman is now the most expensive superhero cape sold at auction. And it went for $193,000 uh, at auction. That seems okay. not right. Well, I it's feel like true. it should be more. Well, good thing you mentioned that because that got me thinking. So when I come on your podcast, Ben, I just don't want to read off a, a website. Right. I did a little deep dive again. So I came up with a top. I love my lists. I don't know why I always have one, but I have a top 10 most expensive memorabilia uh, lists. Um, so I'm going to start with some of the the least expensive ones on the list. Wait a minute. I just want to clarify. Are those the things that hang over babies' cribs that they like get to bat around? Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah, those so are very are the... expensive. No, I just, I just want, I want uh, Bobby to say the word again. <laughs> what is Memorabilia. it again? Memorabilia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, it's it's easy when, before I get here, and then Ben gives me what's the name on there? No, no, no. I don't give you anything. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's just you're competing with uh, theater actors that have perfect diction. <laughs> now read your list. <laughs> Testicle Tuesdays. <laughs> I say good day. Can, well, I have the top 10. Do you think any of you could name anything on this top 10 list before we even get started? Movie no, it, memorabilia. I, yeah. A movie. Oh. oh, just movie. Correct. It could be oh. any movie, anytime. If it was frame. music, if it was music. No, just movies. All right, I got this. I know Ready? I know there's a John Lennon. Uh, signed copy of Imagine or something like that, but all right. This, well, this I, is not music. We're doing movies, right. babe. Get right. it, get it right. Get it together. Get your head in the game. Mm-hmm. Let me get my memorabilia. Name that movie. <laughs> <laughs> the memorabilia. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say that there has to be the dress, the Scarlet O'Hara dress from Gone with the Wind. The drape dress has to be on there as one of the most expensive. Is that your final guess? That's not my. I, I'm gonna say it's one of them. How many do I get? How, where did you pull that out of? I pulled because, that out of. I know my memory of you. That is not on my list. Thank you very much. Go ahead, Ben. Oh. I'm gonna go uh, Ruby slippers, Dorothy. Ooh, good call. That is a very good guess. That is near the bottom of the list, though. Hmm. So good thing you. I took notes today too, Ben. <laughs> so Dorothy slippers. Interesting fact. Four pairs of the slippers were made, but did you know in the book they were silver? Yes. But they could not make them silver in the movie because they would contradict the yellow, the the gold brick road. Yep. So they switched to ruby. Uh, and the last pair at auction, take a guess. How much were they sold for? I'm going to say 53 mil. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Because he just said the most expensive. Wait, was that the most expensive superhero cape or movie memorabilia? That was separate from my list. Oh, okay. I just wanted to clarify. Okay. 
Uh, I think it's like... I will like, say this is towards the bottom of the top oh, ten. all right, all right. I think it's like, I want to say it's like two million. Okay. $666,000. Oh. Rude. Yes. Oh, also, we can, we can I, get that together. Yeah. I mean, podcast money? <laughs> <laughs> what have we got here laying around? Yeah, this episode brought to you by Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. Microsoft and Arby's. We have the meats. <laughs> Let's get going with the shoes, dude. <laughs> so, also an interesting thing that uh, one of the original pair was stolen from uh, a museum. And a anonymous, uh, I guess, uh, donor said that he will offer a million dollars to anybody that returns them. All right. It's interesting that you picked that one. All right. So uh, all right, read your list, buddy. All right. We'll go with um, the DeLorean from Back to yeah. the Future. Mm. Are we going in order? Are we going? I'll go with slightly order. All right. All right. Uh, so the DeLorean, $541,000. That were, was just I, sold recently, right? I think there were four of those that were mm-hmm. sold. I think they started making them in 2017, I believe, I was reading as well. Might have been very limited edition, but they started making them again. Yeah, there's a movie about, like, people that collect the DeLorean or um, um, Back to the Future fans. I think it was on Amazon Prime. I think I watched that. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, Luke's lightsaber. This was number 10 on the list. It's got to be 750. Mm, 500,000. Two hundred forty thousand. It was made with old camera parts. Two hundred forty thousand dollars. Oh, and he breaks it out originally. Yeah, this was your father's lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very cheesy looking. Yeah. Uh, and then we will go with Audrey Hepburn's black dress from <gasps> oh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Ooh. Oh, that was. Oh, that's an Edith Head original. That that must have gone for seventy five hundred thousand. Close. Wait, eight seven eight hundred seven thousand dollars. Oh wow! All right. Yeah. Right behind that, Steve McQueen's racing suit from Le Mans, nine hundred eighty-four thousand dollars. Yeah, because you got racing fans, movie fans. Yeah, it's a combo. Whenever you get a combo. Yep. Yeah. So uh, number four, the cowardly lion costume. <laughs> what are you laughing about? I'm just thinking about some rich furry that's got the cowardly lion. Well, you know, it was made with real hair and real lion, oh, and it weighed 60 pounds. Yeah, that's a sex oh. thing. That's a sex thing. Yeah. <laughs> it said it. Uh, the guy who played him sweat like crazy every time under the big studio lights. And almost yeah, but them. you know they can feel the love tonight. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, yeah, number three. That? Yeah. Uh, another Audrey Hepburn her dress yeah. from My Fair Lady. <gasps> Wait, yep, which yep. dress? The ascot? The ascot, the ascot uh, dress? Which one has a the... giant hat? It looked like it was white. The ascot never... dress. <gasps> yeah, that must have uh, gone yeah. for at least a million. Ben? Two mil. 3.7. Oh, it was wow. beautiful. I think that was another Edith Head original, yeah. too. Well, Edith Head did a lot of the Hitchcocks, too. So, yeah, you're in that wheelhouse. So. I know. We're go- we'll go with uh, number two. Uh, the Maltese Falcon. Oh, the actual Maltese Falcon? So, <laughs> another interesting story is that, uh, well, it sold for $4.1 million. And let me guess, but it got stolen? Yeah, it got, it, it went did, missing? because it like was 55 
pounds and they made replicas after uh, a little lighter but they do not know which one is the true original Maltese Falcon. That is awesome. So they will never know which one is the original. Do you guys, you guys, it's an older movie. You guys ever seen that movie? I have not. Oh yeah. I just watched it recently because it's on um, my scratch, scratch movie poster. You know, I like to equate, it's that and The Big Sleep. There's a couple movies that uh, The Big Lebowski kind of mimics. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. at the end of The Big Lebowski, you don't know if the Mm -hmm. Nihilist got the money or, you know, the, uh, the little kid got the money or actually the Big Lebowski kept the money. And at the end of the movie, it doesn't matter. Like, fuck it, dude. Let's roll. Like, kind of that feeling. Mm-hmm. That's, kind of, yeah, let's roll. Uh, it's kind of the end of the Maltese Falcon. It's like, there's this crazy world. Who cares about shit? It's like, who cares about the Maltese Falcon? That's what's funny. It's like, it's at the end of the movie, you're like, so who has the Maltese Falcon? It's like, who cares? <laughs> well, that's interesting as we get to number one here that you mentioned that. Because uh, it's, it's tied for for first on the list here. We're going to go with the the other one here. Uh, another Marilyn Monroe dress from Seven Year Itch. Oh, it's the one oh, where the, the white the, one. It's the one where the the wind blows up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. How much? Yeah. 5.2 to 6 million, I would say. I'm going to go 7 7.1. 7.1 mil. 4.6 million dollars. Yes, I win. Close nice one. And the number one take one more guess each. For what? The Falcon? No, no. What one, the num- number oh, one spot on the is. List is? And I will tell you, it is a vehicle. Is it the Rebel Without a Cause car? Oh, the Spider. All right, that's yours. Or James Dean. Well, James, James Dean, Dean Spider. It's not really in a movie. That was just the death car. Uh, oh, is it the Bonnie and Clyde car they used in the movie? Hmm. That's my guess. Uh, both are incorrect. All right. What do you got? All right. Me? It is the Aston Martin from Goldfinger. Yeah. For four point six million dollars, so they made two of them. One of them was they called it the movie car because it had the rotating license plate and the ejector seat, the ejector seat <laughs> button, but it had the guns that came out of the yeah. headlights. Oh yeah, the fifty okay. cals. Blah, blah, blah. That is the one that was stolen. Oh no! So yes. it took the fifty cal. Some rich guy has so that. So a lot of these things, as Mondius, as Mondius, as Mondius <laughs> a lot of these things were stolen and still missing. Uh, the other one that they actually drove on the road—that's the one that they just sold. But they're still looking for the the movie version car of it, and that was the most expensive thing on the memorabilia list. Wow! How- I love my what? deep dives. That was good. I like that. That was a good deep dive. That was excellent. 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 Did my homework. Nice. Uh, I'm going to steer us in a different direction tonight. Uh, all of our stories. Uh, you know what? Uh, give a sh- big shout out to uh, myself and all of ourselves um, <laughs> because uh, all of our stories, very uh, wide variety tonight. I love it. Yeah. Wide variety. Um, tonight, to end us out, I'm going to talk about an experience I had last week with this this guy right here, Bobby Larson. Uh, we went. I. It was a first. Oh my god! I, went, I just saw your picture. I went to. I've been telling everyone about this. About my your, my your one first, experience. Lynette. I went to my first Debs uh, dubstep concert. Oh, well, you got crunk. Yeah. <laughs> Do the kids say that? Stuff? Yeah. They no. Still, ducka ducka ducka. Oh. Huh? Uh-huh. Um, so, <laughs> so we went to a dubstep concert. Uh, you know, I was a big techno head, Lynette, like back yep. in college and stuff yep. like that. Um, but this was a little different dubstep. I mean, I've heard the music before, but to actually go to the show, I didn't realize that 
it was going to be as like the the show was going to be as hardcore as it was going mm. to be. Like there's actually a like, mosh pit, people pushing to each other, like head banging stuff like that. And uh, so uh, let me tell this story. So uh, God, I wish I saw it. I, I was. <laughs> Um, I was there, but not near him when uh, these yeah. instances went down. Yeah, I was near other not... people that were going crazy. Yeah, you're not What's supposed up? to leave your buddy, Bobby. You oh, always well, if you were buddy. there, we could have been on opposite sides of the concert arena and not even known because of all the people. And and you're not like just holding your beer and sipping one and looking at the band and singing along. Oh, no, no you're in you're it. banging. People are pushing. Uh, the sea parted and Ben drifted away like he was a volleyball <laughs> and we were in the ocean. I'm the biggest volleyball of all time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so let me tell you the story. So I'm standing there. I'm a big guy. And uh, me and my coworker, Oliver, we're, we're standing there, you know, some ladies around us. And there's a giant mosh pit like right next to us. But I'm not in it. I'm just kind of like protecting these girls like right next to me like and people are bouncing off me and i turned to the left right at the right moment and the back of some dude's head totally cracks my nose and the rivers of blood start flowing out of my nose like crazy i hear a crunch i feel it everything my nose is totally broken like a thousand percent broken i go i i kind of like get my head up I walk on over, stumble on over. I get to like a security guard. I'm like, hey, bro, can you give me a bar towel? He goes, oh my God. Like, I'm like covered in blood. <laughs> I grab the rag. I go outside to the smoke. I, I clean up. I cover up, I, you know, I, I clean off all the blood. I get back. I had to take my shirt off. I had like a wife beater on. Thank God I had a wife. It was just wasn't like bare chest. Let me paint the picture here. All right. He walks in with a t shirt on. I don't remember what it was. Um, but, you know, we're, we're trying to stay, you know, the, the hip, hip, hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, oh, with the I, crew. I, so, I saw the NASA shirt. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. I rocked the hell out of my NASA shirt. You ben did? wears his t-shirt and a giant Russian babushka hat. <laughs> saw that as well. So as I as I meet up with my volleyball friend again, <laughs> he's wearing his wife beater Wilson. and this babushka. And go ahead, Ben. Yeah, and so I get back in and they're like, where's your shirt go? And these guys didn't know that, like, my I just bled everywhere. So I woke up the next morning. My nose killed me. And uh, luckily, you know, I work where I work. So I work with a bunch of nurses. I had to work with a nurse practitioner, an RN and a CNA. And uh, they reset my nose the next day. And I think it looks better. How do I? It looks good. I didn't even look yet. Yeah, it looks good, right? You're so sexy. I think it looks straighter than it's ever looked. And, you know, and I was thinking about uh, about a year ago, I was playing with Bobby at the Y. And I think uh, Big Travis cracked me in the nose with an elbow. And I think I just went to sleep. I was like, oh. I'll be okay. And I think it's been broken since then because I've been breathing so much better since they straightened my wow. nose. And did you stop so snoring? I, 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 I'll, you know, I what? will say that he has. Ah. <laughs> I haven't slept so well lately. <laughs> yeah, Bobby looks well rested. Uh, so, but uh, let me tell you, you know what? I, I, so everyone should go to, so we went to go see Snails. That was the name of the tour, World of Slime Tour. Uh, let me just talk about, you know, this is an entertainment podcast. Great story, but um, so there's two projectors going on. You have a projection in front of the DJ and behind the DJ, and it's almost a first-person shooter. You see the arms of, like, a first-person game shooting aliens, and then the aliens are behind the DJ. Uh, there's lasers everywhere. It's one of the coolest shows you've ever seen. The music's loud. Um, great experience. Great production value. 
Um, had a great time despite my nose being broken. You know, <laughs> you know. Suffice to say, like everyone's nose should be broken at these shows. It was so much fun. So um, I don't know, Lynette. Are you planning on going to any future like kind of crazy shows that you're interested in, or is that kind of your scene? Have you ever been to a dubstep concert? What, what's what's the deal? No, I've never been to a dubstep concert. However, I would totally be down to go to one. Um, I do tend to like more uh, poppy techno stuff. Um, but I think my biggest plan this year is Alanis Morissette. <laughs> you and concert. every other woman in their thirties, forties. <laughs> yeah. Start reliving our high school. Um, Screaming at the walls. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last, like, I think the last, Oh God, the last crazy concert I think I went to was the yeah, yeah, yes. We were in okay. this t- tiny little club called uh, Upstate Concert Hall in um, it's really weird. It's in the middle of a strip mall. Um, and it was July and their air conditioning wasn't working and it was a sold out show. And literally we all just like were sweating. And as soon as they hit the stage, nobody gave a shit. Like we all just started jumping up and down and dancing and doing whatever. And like everybody was taking care of each other. And we just like had a good time. And we were so hot that we probably were hallucinating. Um, it was just, it was just an amazing show. Like that, that was probably the last time I went like crazy. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love shows where you just kind of lose yourself in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and we did. Yeah. We, we lost ourselves and we lost a lot of blood. Yeah. Yes. I saw the shirt. I saw the wife beater and I was like, he did not wear a wife beater to a concert. I was like, yeah, it was forced. It was, it was not the plan, but that's how it ended. Excellent. Thank God I had that on. Uh, so anyway, so that is, go check out Snails. Uh, great music, uh, great show. If you could see him, like I could see him being great at like a giant Coachella kind of thing, like where it's like a big audience. And you sent me like a live performance from last year. That was like a big kind of stadium thing. So uh, go check it out. It's it's just awesome. If you're into if you're into performance, you're into theater production. Uh, check it out, and you'll see like the future of kind of projection on a stage. It was awesome. It, it was cool. But I will say that almost any one of us could put that show on because it looks what they did was hit a couple buttons and dance around and give energy. I think that was like their biggest thing was to jump around and, you know, I don't know the, the buttons. And All right. Listen, listen, I'm a big I'm a big boiler room kind of fan guy. I mean, DJing is a, I can an art. Slide some you know what I mean, fucking like, one of my favorite YouTube and videos we're about to get into YouTube and is boiler room DJ Jazzy Jeff from a couple of years ago. You've seen him own that room like like to go into like crazy like Kendrick Lamar songs to like Joni Mitchell is kind of an art. Well, that's itself. different going song to song. All right. But when you hit a song that goes boom, and then everyone's head button against the railing that they're holding on, I mean, I think we could do that with a couple, you know, rounds of practice. Let's try it. But the guy that was putting this on, Snails himself, if he wasn't making music, I think he would be. If if he walked by you like in your street, you would probably report him for for holding drugs or talking to kids because he did not look like somebody that would be on stage we found his niche i mean what what the uh, hell are you gonna do about oh bobby <laughs> jeopardy tonight uh a rapper just won jeopardy and is going on like he cleaned house he won like fifteen thousand dollars who was it he, uh i don't know his name but it's They're all the same oh name? rolando <laughs> Ro- no <laughs> it's like rolando yushimi 
something. It's like three different nationality names. Gaba, Gaba, not going to work here anymore, anyways. <laughs> uh, but he's he's literally de- he's literally wrapped on every cotton except for Australia and Antarctica. Nice. Like, nice. Wasn't Metallica like the only one to play on every continent? Because they played Antarctica. Yeah. yeah. Aren't they yeah. like the only ones? Yeah. They he's wow. he's going to wrap the that. penguins. That's Actually, right. there's no penguins on Antarctica. They're in North. Yeah. All right. All right. Listen, <laughs> we're going to wrap it up. We're going to go YouTubing with you crazy people. So, YouTube-ing. all right. Call dibs. Who wants to go YouTubing first? God, leave it up in the air because I got a bunch. <laughs> One, two, three, not it. All right. I'll go. All right. All right. So, I was searching around. Oh, wrong list. So, look, you got paper. Bobby's got paper. I did. I have uh, Dunder <laughs> Mifflin paper here. YouTube. <laughs> Is that weird? Well, it sounds weird when you say it. I'm not good with words and remembering, so I jot things down. That's like you back, having back a off, typewriter. Wicked. You having a typewriter for like a phone call. Like, yeah, well, call me Murder She Wrote. I'm here. Over here. <laughs> That's your new that's your new podcast name. Murder she wrote. Murder Angela I wrote. Lansbury. Angela Lansbury, sensual lady. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I got on this uh I was telling Ben about this the other day, but I didn't get into it. So I came across this uh YouTube site. They're called Genius. Uh J-E-N-I-U-S. Okay. Uh and I came across them because I was looking up different music and i'm not big into music so i thought i'd try to get in a little bit deeper and so i came across these guys and what they do is they bring across somebody that's um a little famous or well known uh in the area different areas so you know like uh st louis atlanta hmm. midwest cool. uh new york and they what they do is they show them about four or five music videos of people that are up and coming and at the end these rappers will say all right this is the person or band that i would co-sign on my label so you get to learn about people that are up and coming you get to see their videos you get to learn a little bit about them uh and then you you get the approval of whatever rapper had they had on so some of the rappers they had were Ice Cube, Machine Gun Kelly, Fat Joe, uh, like Remy Ma. But I came across one, Trina. She, they showed her some videos, and I came across one that Ben knows now. Uh, she watched a video of Baby, mm. And I showed him, oh like, God. the night after. And we've been rocking out to him ever since. He's, he's one of our favorites Shout now. Out. Love that yeah. Guy. Love him. Yeah, the baby. Lynette, do you know the baby? I actually feel like I have heard of him. You got he was just on SNL with J Lo. Was Jennifer Lawrence was J Lo, yeah. Yeah, was that two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Lynette, you're gonna love this guy. You're gonna love him. Wait, we'll send you a video. You're gonna grow up. Okay. Yeah, so that was the thing. Uh the baby, uh his music video is called Bop B O P. I would definitely recommend just watching it. It's all one take. It's great choreography, great music, great beat. What's the what's the dance dance troupe? Oh, they have at the end Jabberwockies. You ever heard of what? them? What? Yes. Yep. You're yep. talking to a girl that used to love, so you think you can dance. They are. They're like the last 45 seconds of it, but they knock it out of the park, and then they have a couple edition uh, uh, videos on with just them dancing to the beat. It's amazing. Uh, they also have two chains on. I was watching it today a little more. Uh, and they showed him videos of all 
NBA rappers, and he had to choose. Uh, but they, they, they have every type of music that you want on there, so you can learn things that are up and coming, uh, new ones. What's the What's the name of the channel? I'm sorry, Genius. Genius. With a J? With a G, just like how you spell it. So I thought it was just rappers watching videos. The first one I came across to is also one of my favorites on there. Jeff Goldblum explains Jeff Goldblum lyric references. (laughs) So what he does is they have him on there in his um, um, Jeff Goldblum um, um, voice. Fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. It's it's fantastic. So fast. Let me, let me, let me just, let me, let me show you what's going on with this water. So, so, (laughs) So what he does is he reads lyrics from rap videos that reference him. So Jurassic Park or Jeff Goldblum or another movie he's been in, he reads Dr. Dre lyrics about killing motherfuckers and using Gatling guns because it references Jurassic Park. They have everything on there. Genius. Check it out. Awesome. Awesome, Bobby. Awesome. And I'm going to show you when we're done here, Ben. Awesome. We're going to watch all of them. Lynette, you got some YouTubing for us? I do have some YouTubing. You know, the holidays are coming up, and I am a sucker for holiday music and, you know, a good musical. And what does not combine them both? But having the Von Tromp, well, actually, they're not, I don't know if that was their real name. I can't remember anymore. But the Von Tromp family singers, the great-grandchildren, uh, singing a rendition of Edelweiss. Um, oh, Von Trapp. Von Trapp. Yeah, yeah. What did I say? Von Tromp? Von Trump, don't yeah, don't mess that up. <laughs> Memorabilia. For enough percussion, persecution, percussion. Percuriers of persecution. Oh, I like it. Anywho, it's a beautiful video. Their singing is amazingly impeccable. Like it's just angels singing, um, and the way that they. Um, uh, I can't think of the word. It's not orchestrate. Uh, arrange it. The way that they yeah, arrange it. Right. They it's just it. a really fresh, updated take on such a beautiful classic. Um, so I say check it out. If you can find it, it's well worth the watch. It's only like two minutes. You'll probably rewatch it a couple a couple of times. Oh, and I got one more because I have to drop it and I can't stop myself. Do it. The In the Heights trailer came out for the movie this week. Did you understand anything I just said? No, in the height. What's that? Was that English? In the height? Yeah, it was mm. like well, the movie, the show, The Heights. Yeah, the show. No, the show. The 90210 spinoff. I'm not, I'm gonna cut you, Ben. <laughs> what is in the Heights? What are you talking about? In the Heights is Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, first like major Broadway musical oh, oh, show. I didn't see the preview for that. Oh. Um, and it's all about Washington Heights in New York City and being uh, Hispanic. And it's a beautiful musical, and I love it. I actually got to be in the Broadway house when they won the Grammy Award. So that was oh, pretty cool. Shit. Yeah. Um, and so they brought it to the film. They brought it to film, and he's been, we've been waiting for it for years. Like it's slowly been leaked that things are coming out, um, not in a bad way, but just like it's, he's, they're really right. doing it right. Uh, so we just got to see the first trailer, and it is looking like it's going to be its own amazing entity, and I'm super excited. I'm so stoked for it. That is awesome. That is like, you know what, like, when we, well, I don't know about you, Lynette, like, when I 
started thinking about going for school for theater, like back in 1998, like it was already kind of shaping up to be an antiquated form. Mm. And I love how, you know, of course, Hamilton has brought us back to, no, 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 you can't just YouTube Hamilton. Yeah, you can, you can memorize the music if you get the soundtrack, but you have to see this thing live and you have to see it with him. And I love how, he has brought theater somehow back to that. How it's like not such like a, oh yeah, hey, let me show you this shit on YouTube and I'll just break it off. Nope. You have to, it's an experience. You have to pay for tickets. You have to make it happen. And uh, anything that man does, I'm all for. So here, here, good stuff. And the, and the other thing he does is he makes it, uh, well, before resellers get involved, he makes it cost effective to see it. Right. In theory, if you went to the box office and tried to buy tickets to Hamilton, assuming you're willing to wait, you could buy $57 tickets to Hamilton. You might have to wait a year, but you could do it. <laughs> yeah, I heard that was like the most expensive and uh, hardest ticket to get when it came out. Right, because of the fact that their uh, Ticketmaster and a bunch of other ones are allowed I to hate resale Ticketmaster now. so much. Um, so yeah, better. <laughs> Now they do like dynamic pricing. So the longer you wait, the more money you end up paying. Um, if you buy through a reseller, they mark up the prices because it's such a hot ticket. Um, Is but, it still on Broadway? Oh, yeah. It's still on Broadway. So, yeah, uh, I've never – I haven't seen like any clips of it. I've only heard through word of mouth that it's fantastic. So I'll, I'll have to take that as it is. But – Ben, stop um, whispering that it's awful. It's not awful. I've seen it twice. It's amazing. No, no, awesome. He said oh, awesome. awesome. Oh, oh, oh. Awesome. No, I haven't heard a single bad thing about it. No, dude. No yeah. one says it. Yeah, it's awesome. So I don't know anything about him. Uh, so when I watched a preview, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was good. But the only thing that I know about him is when he hosted Saturday Night Live, uh, he did an awesome job. I thought he was amazing. He was like perfect yeah. for, for acting, yeah. for singing, for, for, for everything. So just from that, I'm a fan of him. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, Lynette. Good stuff. Um, ben, what you got? All right. I got a bunch. I'm going to rattle them off right now. Uh, so Polyphonic is one of my favorite YouTube channels. Um, he came out with a video called How Kendrick Lamar Shaped the 2010s as far as music. That's 20 minutes, 36 seconds. I also uh, I went all over the map on YouTube. Um, uh, I also did a speed gaming um video about uh and this came out a couple years ago it's tony hawk's pro skater 3 speed run done in 8 minutes and 55 seconds 12 minute 21 video it is awesome speed marathon archive check that out it's crazy if you know tony hawk's 3 you watch this video this guy owns it in front of an audience and they freak out also i want to talk about mark knopfler guitarist and lead singer and writer of the dire straits um recent concert Mark Knopfler, Barcelona, 2019, came out three uh, months ago. It's two hours, 14 minutes, uh, full concerts on YouTube. And I think it's pieced together from um, actual uh, people in the audience's uh, videos on their phones. And then the user put together like real pictures of Barcelona. But it's a live audio. Put that on. If you love Mark Knopfler, if you love like guitar and dire straits, check that out. And then finally... I want to talk about Jimmy Kimmel pranks his staff with his wig wax figure. I did see that. That came out a couple days ago. His poor cousin. Oh, my God. His cousin Valerie. or, or I yeah. forget her name. Oh, my God. It's so funny. It's 4 minutes, 26 seconds. It's probably 
probably one of the funniest things you've ever seen. And she just keeps falling for it. Awesome. I love YouTube so much. I love just digging through the archive and finding weird shit on there. So Lynette, anything to plug, anything to talk about before we get out of here? What's going on in the world of Lynette? In the world of Lynette, it's mostly just wishing everybody happy holidays, Merry Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, happy Chinese New Year, happy New Year, and whatever else your floats your boat. Um, so that's pretty much it for me. Rock and roll. Bobby, what's going on with you? Uh, not a whole lot, but I will be going to uh, the Syracuse men's basketball game. Got some tickets to a suite, so I will be living the sweet life sweet up life. there. But <laughs> I want to give a shout out to the one that's not here, Chris. Uh, mm. He's going through some some stuff. I hope things turn around for the positive. We miss you. Hurry back. Can't wait to hear you again. Yeah. You know. Big- yeah, big shout outs to Chris because without you, this pod goes off the rails really quick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with the three of us anarchists on the air. Uh, so, um, but yeah, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I can't wait for Christmas to come around. Gonna have an awesome Berkshires Christmas. My man, Bobby Larson, come up to the Berkshires. We're gonna tear that city up and uh, yeah. burn it to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> you should swing place. by, uh, you should swing by the Albany's. We are out of time. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh rude. rude. We will uh, when we get off the air. We'll let you know where we're gonna be, Lynette. Maybe you'll have to join us in a couple oh. weeks. So, mm-hmm. well, that is all, folks. We did. We went all over this internet's and all over the world. I'd like to thank you for tuning in to Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I'm your host Ben Frawley. If you'd like to see my liked videos on YouTube. Just Google up uh, live nude swearing. It pops right up, and you can see all my like videos and see all the crazy stuff I'm into. Uh, But until next week, we will see you then. Bye. See ya. Bye.